Hello, dear listener. My name is Herb. My name is Brigham. On this episode, we're switching things up a bit. First, Brigham and I discuss the Xbox Showcase and Ghost of Tsushima and how games effectively implement side questing in our new segment called What's on Your Mind. Then we're going to go into our gaming genre of the week, which will be single player RPG slash action adventure games. And we're going to round out the show with some quick news we're going to call the weekly feed. As always, thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll follow this podcast on your podcast listening app of choice. Give us a review and hopefully reach out to us on Twitter at BasementGaming9 to tell us what's on your mind. Without further ado, welcome to Basement Gaming. All right, Brigham. How's it going? It is going pretty well. Um, you know, just kind of enjoying my my Saturday. So it's been been relatively hot here, which is a perfect excuse to stay inside and play tons of video games. So, yeah, I'm having a pretty good day. How about you? Pretty good. Been playing lots of Ghost of Tsushima. I've been doing a lot of that recently. And uh, yeah, we got some got some stuff going on in the last week or so. What's what's been on your mind? Oh uh, well, the big thing on my mind lately has been the Xbox Game Showcase that uh, Microsoft did this this previous week or this week. Um, I guess sorry, I guess I should say this previous week because it comes out on Monday. So a lot of people have opinions on it. Um, I know you have opinions on it, but I'm gonna go ahead and say that I thoroughly enjoyed that showcase. I was. Like from the from the beginning where they showed Halo and I was pumped, dude, like maybe just because I haven't played a Halo game since Halo three, but it felt so good to like see a Halo game that felt like like Halo one Halo, like like just yeah. seeing like like the like the the world was like so reminiscent and like, you know, the the, the enemies that he was fighting and then seeing how the map was kind of like open world was really cool because kind of like so it's like a little bit familiar, but something new. It just got me really hyped up from the beginning. And then just just from there, like I have, I have a ton of opinions going on, but but I kind of want to know what, what, what were your thoughts when you saw the, the Halo? Because I know a lot of people um, weren't super excited with the, the graphics of it. And they also just kind of felt like the uh, reveal for Halo Infinite was kind of underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested to see like what your what your take on it was. I think our take is going to be kind of different just because I'm going to preface this by saying I didn't really grow up playing Xbox games, so I don't really have that special place in my heart for Halo like you do, because I'm guessing you played Halo 1 and all the way through with your Xbox growing up, and you know I never really had an Xbox till later on, and never really got into Halo until it was just like I would play with family members whenever I would go over to their house and things, so I guess I didn't really get any tingly feelings when I, pl- when I saw that Halo Infinite trailer yeah it's it's weird talking about this on the podcast because i'm just like i'm not a huge xbox fan as people have probably noticed in the last couple of episodes like i'm definitely way more sony leaning and obviously you know whenever microsoft does come out with a good game i'll check it out usually just i'll buy it on pc which is something that i really like about microsoft is that there's two ways to access their games a lot of times so I don't know. I think uh, Halo Infinite looks fine. It looks like a lot of other Halos. I don't know. I don't know what people are expecting, I think. I know they're not really going to change the whole IP or they're not going to change the engine. It's, I mean, it's still going to be Bungie, you know? It's still going to be Halo. So mm-hmm. what, what were you saying? What were people complaining about? What was, what was so bad about it? Um, I think the main thing that I've seen people complain about was just the graphics. I thought the character models and everything just like looked really bad. Especially, you know, when it, when Microsoft's touting that they have the most powerful console and they show a game that doesn't look like it's that like that 
that good in, in terms of visual quality. And I think they're kind of right in a way. Like the graphics didn't look that amazing in in the in the footage they've shown. They did say that it's still like an early build and they have months before the game comes out. And so I'm sure it will get look better. But I think even once it's done, it's not going to be like a super high fidelity looking game. But I'm personally I'm fine with that because I feel like Halo has never been that kind of game. Like it's always yeah. had this kind of realistic, but also kind of like bright colored, cartoony. And I won't say cartoony, but. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't trying to go for photorealism. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I think people complaining that, oh, like Xbox has so many teraflops and the other games still are still going to look bad. It's like, well, come on now. Like they still have that. They showed like the the um oh, damn, what was it called? You played the first one. Oh, Hellblade? Hellblade, yes. That was actually one of the things that, I talked about, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they showed Sin was Sacrifice too. And, you know, it was like an in, it was an in-engine trailer. It looked amazing. And so like I yeah. think... I don't think it's fair to be like, oh, this because this one game looks bad. That means that the Xbox Series X isn't going to be as powerful as people might think or something like that. But that was the main thing. And I totally agree. So like the game itself doesn't look beautiful, but just I don't know. I'm just very excited to play Halo again. I, like I had a PS4, didn't have Xbox One. So I didn't I didn't play I didn't play Halo 5. You know, I think you can play. I think Halo 5 is coming on PC, but I don't know. I, I play Halo games on PC. It just doesn't really feel the same as like playing it on a couch, the controller, which is another thing too, like you were saying where like I, a lot of these games I could just play on PC, but for, for me, it's, it's just the, the ability to play it on console. Like so, I, I tend to, I tend to pl- want to play single player games on a console on TV more than like on a PC. So for, for me, I, I'd prefer just getting the Xbox, but, but yeah, so the Halo was awesome. Um, they, they showed the obsidian game, um, which the the, the the Obsidian game that we're working on right now with these people, like, they're very small. Um, oh, so yeah, I, I think I saw that. Do you, remember the, do you remember what it was called? I don't know what it was called because I didn't write it down. Wasn't it, like, kind of, like, almost Honey, I Shrunk the Kids kind of game? Is that what you're talking about? Where you just run around and it's almost multiplayer, and, and I, there was, like, a lot of shots of them fighting ants. Is, is that what you Yeah, saying? yeah, that one. Yeah, that game doesn't look very exciting to me. But I the mean, other game they showed... I think... I mean, this goes back to what we're talking about when it comes to these kind of conferences. A lot of the games you're going to see are going to be like these smaller indie games are just, it's like, all right, I'd pay $10 for this kind of thing. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. it, it's not like you can't spend an hour talking about AAA games. That's just unreasonable, you know? Oh, yeah. You, sure. you got to bring up some of your smaller devs and smaller but companies you know, that you probably wouldn't hear about otherwise. Yeah. But you know, like the cool thing about all these games, like even even the games I didn't care about, like that one, which it's called Grounded, by the way. I just looked it up. Um, even that game, I got a little bit excited because I know that if I have Xbox Games Pass, they said every game showing and during that showcase, even if they're party games, are going to be on Xbox Games Pass on release. So it's like even the games I don't even care about that much. I because I know I'm going to have Games Pass, I'm like, oh, I'm excited to at least try it out. You try know what it I mean? Out, yeah. Can you so, explain to me a little bit more what like Xbox Game Pass actually is? Like, yeah, is, so it, Xbox, is it a replacement to Xbox Live? It's not necessarily a replacement. It, it includes Xbox Live. So Xbox Live is like just being able to play online. Xbox Games Pass is kind of like PlayStation's um, PlayStation Now, where it's like a library of games that you can play like w- as long as you pay the subscription. So Xbox Games Pass is 10 bucks a month. So you pay 10 bucks a month, and then you get access to like a huge catalog of games. And they also say like, all the Xbox One, all the Xbox exclusive games are going to be on Xbox Games Pass, and all the Xbox exclusive games are going to go on Xbox Games Pass on day one. 
So it's like the, the moment the game comes out, you don't have to buy the game. As long as you have Xbox Games Pass, you can just play it. Like it's, okay. it's part of the subscription. And it's really cool. And then there's also like a bunch of third-party games on there as well that they add in. And it's kind of like Netflix where like they'll add in some stuff. And then after a while, it'll, it'll take out, they'll take them out and put other games in the rotation. Um, so it's a really cool, it's a really cool thing. And they, you can pay 10 bucks a month to get it on Xbox, or you can pay 15 bucks a month. And that comes with Xbox Live. And it also comes with Xbox Games Pass for PC, which is what I have right now. You can actually use Xbox Games Pass for PC for a dollar, okay. which is pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah so it's right. like, it's a dollar first month. And after that's like five bucks a month. And it comes with a bunch of games you can play on PC through Xbox xbox's catalog as well so mm-hmm. it's really cool uh, so that's, i love that about it um but anyway about obsidian they showed a little teaser trailer for a new rpg game they're coming out with called avowed yeah i'm looking at it right now yeah that game looks cool just i mean not necessarily that game in particular but just the fact that obsidian's making it obsidian's made some really cool rpgs in the past they made fallout new vegas they made um pillars of eternity which are like really solid um rpg games and so this is very giving me some sort of like skyrim vibe a little bit yeah, like it looks very one, much like Skyrim. Yeah, that one shot of that guy just like making a seal with his hand while he's holding the sword. And I feel like they're kind of going for that because, I mean, you know, like I said, they made Fallout New Vegas, so they've worked with Bethesda before. And yeah. they did make that um, the Outer Worlds game, um, which looked a lot like Fallout. And that was a very fun game. And that's also an Xbox Games Pass. So, yeah, I was very excited for that. And then the third game that they showed that I was very excited for was at the very end of the showcase. It was a Fable, which okay. is a game that everyone's been wanting for a very long time. Like, I mean, Fable for the Xbox and Xbox 360, like those are super solid RPGs. And they kind of like they're a little bit different than like through normal RPGs because they're like a little bit more on the parody side, like kind of more funny. But they had these like really cool, like you can choose like, you know, to be good or bad, which at the time was kind of like novel. Like there were other games that did it, but like it wasn't like a thing that every game would do. I don't think and I've so, ever played a single Fable game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Well, and that's, that's the thing, you know, and, and and you know, something else I wanted to mention. I feel like at the end of the day, I've seen a lot of people online say that was really good, that the showcase is really good or really bad. And I think it just depends on if you like Xbox exclusive games, because I feel like yeah. Xbox exclusive games are much different than PlayStation. Play, PlayStation exclusive games are a lot more like single player action adventure kind of games like or like, you know, third person shooters like uncharted last of us you know all the sucker punch games infamous i feel like they all they all kind of like fall in that line and i feel yeah. like a lot of the xbox games it's like first person shooters like halo then you have like rpgs like fable and i feel like the, those are the kind of games that gets xbox players excited for and yeah you know i i talked to like some of our friends who are like super in xbox and it's kind of funny how like you know we love uncharted or well, I mean, you, 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 I, I think Uncharted is cool. We, we both love Last of Us, but then you know, I have friends who play, have Xboxes, and they like they couldn't care less about those kind of games. You know yeah, what I mean? exactly. I think it's just it's so interesting to see the difference in uh, like your the style of gaming that you enjoy, and mm-hmm. yeah, like I said, I, I could definitely, I definitely know people that are like PC gamers or something, for instance, or just like, oh, you mean Last of Us that uh, duck and cover shooter? Uh, yeah, it's, cool. <laughs> it's like all right, well. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, try to argue with you when you clearly just don't like the genre of the game kind of thing, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah, exactly. I think, uh, yeah, I think for, definitely for me with the showcases, seeing a lot of uh, IPs that I just like either didn't have a huge attachment to, but I'm not gonna sit here and say that, like, Fable was like a bad game or something, or that 
again with the halo thing what i saw in halo was almost exactly what i was expecting it's just like yeah this looks like halo it looks like a new generation halo you know it's when you look at the old halo stuff dude those graphics do not hold up they they are rough (laughs) they are rough like i think my biggest issue with what we saw today like the the like the enemy's movements were a little bit wonky. I think that's mm-hmm. probably the only thing. And like you said, they almost look a little bit more anime-ish than I thought they would be. But I think it's just the world. That's just, that's just the engine. It's just... Again, this is, I'm looking at it right now. This is exactly what I was expecting. And maybe that's what people don't like, is that it's not revolutionary. Who knows? And I think it's funny. Cause I think some people like me, like we just wanted to go back to like the Halo that we remembered. Because I feel like Halo 4 and 5 were or them trying to be different and it didn't really work out. Uh-huh. So seeing them kind of go back to the roots, like they're like, let's just bring it back to basics. Like, like this looks like coagulation, which is like a map. A lot of halo players know, like this looks like classic freaking halo. And like, I don't know. I just loved every bit of it, but I totally understand some people who were expecting something totally new and revolutionary. Right. Probably gonna be disappointed. Also a uh, psychonauts psychonauts two was shown really cool. Uh, that's going to be a, that's going to be a game that, gonna come out on everything um but the but the uh company that uh that makes it double fine they're owned by microsoft now so that will be on the xbox games pass as well so so yeah oh, i don't know like, with jack black i for yeah. saying i had no idea what you were talking about i was like what do you what is this and then uh, it's just oh it's the one with jack black saying okay cool <laughs> yeah super fun platformer the first one Fun fact, the first one was supposed to be an Xbox exclusive game and at the last minute Xbox pulled out. So like even though it wasn't it wasn't supposed to be an Xbox exclusive game, I think it only came out on Xbox for a while because that's the only platform they like, you know, were working on it for. There was a lot of bad blood between uh, Double Fine and, and Xbox after that for a while. But obviously they made up now because they work for Microsoft. So, yeah, yeah no. Yeah, there, there are a lot of cool games. I think ultimately my t- big takeaway from it all was that I'm very excited for Xbox. It's making the choice between if I want to get a PS5 or Xbox kind of harder because it's like I know that I could play these exclusives on PC if I wanted to, but if I really want to choose, if I was choosing where I want to play it the most, I just like want to be able to like just put the disc, or I just want to be able to like you know just turn on my console and play it, not have to worry about playing yeah. on a PC. <laughs> so we, I don't know. We it's, were, it's it's weird. If we were huge content uh gaming content creators, we'd like have to get both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we're not. So we're probably just going to get one of them. <laughs> uh and to be honest, I mean I may end up getting a PS5 like towards the end of its cycle when it's like super cheap to play the the exclusives, but but yeah, that's that's not going to be for a while, so. Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing I that I'm excited, that I was excited/disappointed slash for this uh, showcase was the Hellblade stuff. Like the, the the guy that worked on Hellblade comes on the screen and like, all right, we were super excited to hear about your great reaction of Hellblade Two that we announced at the Game Awards. Well, oh, here we go, some Hellblade gameplay, some more details. It's like, uh, we're gonna give you some behind the scene uh, footage of how we decided to make this game. It's just like, or <laughs> the the setting of this yeah. game, which is gonna be in Iceland go to this other YouTube channel to watch this video. I'm like, what? Where, where's the gameplay? It's like, I was so mad. It's just exactly what I always complain about with these with these conferences slash announcements. It's like, they clearly have nothing to show, but they just want to show their face. It's like, hey, remember us? We're still doing our thing. I'm like, go away. It's like, come back to work. I don't know. It was just really weird. Mm-hmm. I should go. 
you know what? I'm gonna pull that up right now. This freaking thing that he told us to look up is like, well, is there actually anything new on this thing that like is worth mentioning? No, it's like a three minute video. Yeah, it's literally just about the history of the place where they're doing this in game footage. No, nope, nope, exactly. It's just like a little mini documentary behind the scene thing, which I'm probably gonna end up watching in a second here. It's only five minutes long, but still, I want a gameplay or just like another trailer. The last trailer was pretty cool, but I want more. You should play like this game, bro. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, I might end up playing at some point. Maybe it's whenever I get like five dollars. What are you talking about? Like the first one is probably like five dollars on Steam right now. I know, but gosh, dude, I don't like scary games. You know this now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe, so I'll a, maybe I'll watch a walkthrough of it. No, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, do that. Uh, speaking of scary games. Uh, a scary game that they brought up was uh, The Medium, this like two world video game where you play as this character that can go into this like spirit world and there's like monsters in the spirit world. It looks like some sort of puzzle solving slash horror game, obviously. And that looks super scary, but the the whole thing about like rendering two worlds simultaneously sounds really interesting. That'd be, oh yeah, yeah, that looks really cool. That'd be cool to see how they revolve the gameplay around that i think it looks like a pretty interesting game um well yeah that's i think that's all i had all i had yeah. for the xbox show guys same i think at this point i just want to know what the price is <laughs> oh we all did freaking <laughs> sony and xbox are literally just playing chicken right now they're just waiting for one price so they can undercut the other i think playstation is going to do it soon because they have a placeholder up on amazon now for their console and I oh, think really? I saw somewhere that they said that they would be now that they would have exciting news for people soon, but that exciting news could be anything. So who knows? Yeah. Well, the last week or so, pretty much the only thing that's been on my mind when it comes to gaming has been uh, Ghost of Tsushima. And uh, I was thinking a lot about the genre of game it is where it's, there is a narrative to it, but there's also a lot of side questing and, like leveling involved is uh, like RPG based game mechanics. And a lot of times when I play games like this, that they're like Assassin's Creed, for instance, I'll give an example is that there's a lot of side quests in Assassin's Creed, but a lot of them are just kind of like these fetch quests or these like collectible quests. I remember the early, the early games, I had a lot of collectibles that technically were kind of side questy, but they're not very interesting. So it got me thinking, like, what makes a side quest interesting enough that you want to, like, go out of your way to to do them? And how how do games, like, involve you in side questing to keep you interested in them? Because I've been playing a lot of Ghosts recently, and I've been doing a lot of side quests, and I'm not getting bored of them. And it's probably going to be one of those games where I, I end up just, like, organically 100%ing it, just because I'm, I'm really interested in all the side collectibles and the side quests and all the things you can do on the side of the main storyline. What do you think, Broom? Yeah, for me, with side quests, it totally just depends on how fun I find the actual gameplay. Like, I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima lately, too, and I usually hate side quests, and it doesn't matter, like, what kind of, like, rewards they, they give me. But, but this game has been a little bit different because I love the combat so much. It's, like, just an extra excuse to, like, try to get better at the combat. Yeah. And especially, like, I guess working towards those, like, extra ability points to new stuff for combat makes me want to do all the side stuff, too. In fact, honestly, if it wasn't for me trying to like get through this game at some sort of moderate pace, so, I can, so we can like talk about it, like have a spoiler cast on it, 
I probably do like every side quest before doing main story stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's been my approach recently is just, I literally do almost everything on the side. I think I've, I'm speeding up a little bit more. I'm doing less of the, those, like those little question marks. I'm just like liberating the sections. Whenever you like liberate a, a camp or a town, it like uncovers a big part of the map. Like it opens up the fog of war a little bit. And then I think the first section, the first chunk of the map has like 17 places you got to liberate to like officially liberate the whole prefecture or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing those and I have the first two sections done and then I just, I'm in, I'm already in act three. So I'm just going to liberate the last section and then just finish up the act. And then I'll go back to do the, all the like, the little question mark side quests and the little collectibles and the shrines and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a little bit more side. That's a little bit more like less important, but I think, like you said, uh, the gameplay is a lot, a lot of fun and it definitely incentivizes me to just do more quests, just get to experience the gameplay more. And I think something that's, they do really well. Also, that's really important for side questing is, the side quest is affecting the storyline. So I don't know how much of them you've done. Like for instance, the there's some like side characters that like are your allies that go with you along the way of the story. That if you do their own individual missions, they'll like reference those things in the main mission, right? They'll like talk about, oh, we just did this or we just did that. Like the it adds on to the dialogue. Huh. And it's it's pretty small. A lot of times it's usually just a throwaway line, but just to think about like, oh, I wouldn't have gotten this line or this actual bond with this ally in this game if I didn't finish all their, like their tale up until this point in this, in this story. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's this little, these little moments that you probably would have missed if you just went straight to the story. Right. And that is interesting. I didn't know that. I do. I, it does feel like whenever you do things on the side, it does affect the world. Like the world is affected by your actions Especially because, like, the more you do these side quests, your, uh, like, for instance, your reputation increases, and the people around you notice that, right? You're, you're, they're saying, they're calling you ghosts and stuff like that. So I think, I do feel like whenever they put importance in a side quest, it's like you're not, you don't have to do them, but if you do do them, you get like a little extra nugget of of story added on with being rewarded with abilities and tools and new new moves i think that's what really makes a side quest effective i think and mm-hmm. not just like oh just go do this for the sake of it <laughs> like okay you, nah. yeah uh, that that's that's interesting i think actually you saying that it's making me realize that so i i thought that whenever you do like for example right now i'm, I'm having like recruit four different people yeah. each person i recruit there's like it, it was like a tail, like after I go do the first mission, it was like yeah. s- steps on it, right? Yeah. I thought you had to do all the steps up to a certain point before like you could go, like, I, yeah. I didn't realize if you just did the first step of each one, you could probably just continue on with, with the next main story. Request. I, I think, well, I didn't go, I didn't do it like that. So I don't know a hundred percent, but I feel like you can, you can just like, just recruit those, those three people, right. Or those four people. And then just go straight to the story. I think you're, you're allowed to. Mm-hmm. those those aren't the main journey right well, yeah that's true i haven't like it changes tried, yeah i haven't tried the other way around so i don't know maybe someone will tell me i'm wrong but i mean just look at how a lot of streamers and content creators are just blowing through the story i know for a fact there's no way they're 
they've done i mean maybe they're they have it's their job you know to just sit and play all day <laughs> i actually have to go to work uh to play all nine like all nine parts of the tale right because like where where you're probably at it's probably for instance like lady masako's tale for the act one you're only allowed to do the four steps of them i think until like she's no longer on the map yeah i've noticed yeah. that yeah, yeah and then and then you can continue doing the the act the main journey mission and then she pops up again in act two right oh okay yeah so like it's very i'm trying to think like what other game did it like that where like the secondary mission i would say there's like three tiers it's like the main journey those secondary missions which are for like your main allies and then those tertiary missions which is just like random missions where you just walking around and then you talk to a random peasant it's like oh my farmhouse is being attacked can you please save me it's like i right, just do that real quick kind of thing mm-hmm. uh I'm trying to think of like what other game has like secondary missions that like one affect the main mission like enough that you notice, but not so much that you like have to do them. Like I think the other thing that comes to mind is probably like God of War has a lot of like secondary mission types that obviously affect your gameplay, but they don't really affect the story too much. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't know because I didn't do any side stuff in oh that game. Oh my god! Did you even <laughs> play the game? <laughs> I found the easiest difficulty, and I blast. I, that was a great story. That was a great game. It was a great story. Yeah. Um, I can't think of any game that like finds that perfect balance. I guess God of I guess if you say God of War did, then I'd, I'd take your word for it. Um, yeah, I guess as long as the game doesn't doesn't force me to do the side stuff, like I hate it when games have like the RPG element where I have to level up to get to the next main story quest, and the main story quest don't give you enough XP to keep up with the main story quest, but without mm-hmm. doing side stuff. Oh uh, yeah. That's yeah, like I, I, takes the yeah. fun out of it, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I refuse to play Assassin's Creed Origins or Odyssey, and why I quit playing Final Fantasy 15. Final Fantasy 15 was like the dumbest side quests, and I was like, I refuse. This is so stupid. Well, Dude, I was, you're it was so suck, right. I had such a good time. Yeah, you're so right. I think that's why I've gotten like bored of Assassin's Creed Origins because you have to level up to do the missions to, to do the main missions. Like you're, like you said, you're being forced to do these tertiary level like side quests, like. Most of a lot of them are just one offs. It's just like this random dude needs you to help him with this random task or like this random thing at world event, right? Which mm-hmm. would be fine if they were optional, but it's like, okay, I, I like put it into my head, it's like, okay, I gotta do like this mission, this mission, this mission, this mission, and then I'll be at high enough level to go do the main mission. It's like, no, what the, no, like, is that you're just forcing people to play the game at that point and not making it like not incentivizing you by like tricking you into thinking that like those side missions are important right Mm -hmm. yeah Assassin's Creed is a good example of how not to do it I think (laughs) yeah yeah for real I I remember Spider-Man had a lot of uh Spider-Man had a lot of fetch stuff and a lot of like like liberation type things like you liberated areas about like creating doing enough crime missions in that little section of Manhattan that reminds me a lot of of Ghost also where you can like liberate a little section yeah, that's true. I didn't really do much. I did some side stuff in that game, but at least in that one, I didn't really feel like it was necessary. Yeah, like, it definitely know. wasn't. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that uh, that takes us straight into our gaming genre of the week discussion, which is uh, single player RPGs. So, with that, we're talking about you know a single player game that has RPG aspects, uh, obviously, right? You have a leveling system, abilities usually that increases your relative power uh, a lot of them do have a questing 
based gaming kind of thing where we have side missions and main missions. A lot of them are open world, obviously, to let you like move around and do these missions. Uh, yeah. What, what what were you thinking for like your single player RPG? Yeah, it's funny we're just dogging on Assassin's Creed because the game that I chose was Assassin's Creed Two. Um, <laughs> we were dogging on Origins. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm talking about Assassin's Creed back when the franchise was good. So Assassin's <laughs> Creed Two, Assassin's Creed Two is probably is, is one of my favorite games of all time. But particularly in single RPG, single player RPG is definitely my favorite single player RPG. Like the combat in that game felt so good of like dueling other people the progression of like collecting new abilities i remember um oh actually i don't think a single it was that was it was in brotherhood they, they i think you got a gun but yeah i don't know i just it was one of the few games usually whenever i play a game i'll never beat it because like i don't have a long enough attention span to like stick with the game long enough to do that but the gameplay was so much fun and the story was so compelling. I stuck with it through the entire game. And after I beat it, I was like bummed that I was done. I actually went back and did side stuff, which like I rarely ever do side content. And I like do the side stuff to unlock <clears throat> um, extra like story bits. And like, you know, Assassin's Creed 2, unlike the normal, normal, today's Assassin's Creed games, it did focus a lot more on like the present day aspect and kind of exploring the whole, like doing a lot more world building of like, where did like the apple of Eden come from? And, and like, I remember like unlocking like little memory fragments to see like how like Adam and Eve were actually like these like people escaping this like futuristic lab facility. Yeah. Like, uh, this, this, the story was just so weird, but it was so cool at the same time. And <laughs> this like, was, uh, this was peak, peak weirdness in Assassin's Creed, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, what is even happening? <laughs> yeah. It was crazy yeah. weird. And like, it was cool how they like, you know, add a real life, you know, fictional characters or sorry not fictional non-fiction non-fictional characters in it and you know the real world places which they still do but but ultimately just the the combat was super fun and also back then it was like a super new thing to have a stealth game set like in the daytime where you can like hide in the crowds yeah which, like yeah. it's very simple basic going back but like at the time i was like whoa it's so cool you can just like you know go on a bench and, like yeah. hide or just like yeah, stand yeah. in the middle of a group of people and like you know and yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was so much fun. I had so much fun playing that game. I think a lot of people would say Assassin's Creed 2 was probably the best of the series, to be honest. Yeah. I think probably for me, it was probably the tie between that one. And a lot of people didn't like 3. I, I thoroughly enjoyed 3. Uh, I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I, I think, I would say mine it was probably God of War, man. It's just like, talking about, God of War might be a little bit more leaning towards action-adventure than a single-player RPG. Uh, because there there definitely was a side quest element to it, and you could level up your abilities and things like that. Yeah, I'd say essay is pretty faithful because you you can level up your abilities, you can do side missions to get new moves and get stronger. There's an actual level system, like an armor level system that made you stronger. Mm-hmm. So I would literally just be so much stronger than the actual enemies of the main story. That I kind of like blew through the main story. I kind of wish I played on hard for my first playthrough. But yeah, it was just so much fun to just do everything in that game. And talking about combat, I, I think God of War still has my favorite combat ever in a video game. <laughs> it's just so satisfying. It's just 
using that Leviathan axe, it was just the most fun I've ever had playing uh, fighting in a video game. It was just so cool. Freaking just Kratos just being angry. <laughs> just like just destroying trolls and monsters. It's so much fun. I remember, I don't know if you remember the part where you have to kill that dragon uh, on top of the mountain. Do you remember that part? Oh, no, I don't. What? You don't remember fighting? It was like a little, a giant dragon room during the main story. So I know you played it. Yeah. And then it was, like, was it flying? Uh, no, it was pretty much on the ground the whole time. It flew a little bit, obviously, when you had to dodge like the ability. And then at the end, like Atreus had to like blow up uh, like a spike. And then you drove the spike into the dragon's neck, essentially. Dude, it was like the oh, most that fight. Yeah, dude. That was and crazy. I was like, this is so cool. It's like seeing Kratos destroy a giant monster is just so vintage God of War. And it was just like seeing it in like all the PS4 graphics glory and the new combat system. Or like the way you kill those trolls that have like the little pillars that they swing around. You just like stick your axe in it and then just bring it down on their heads as you go down. It's like, this is so cool. Okay. Anyway. But yeah, God of War, probably my favorite RPG-esque single player game for sure. Yeah, that, that was really solid. I'm, I'm watching the video now of the freaking <laughs> dragon fight. And yeah, that was intense. Yeah. yeah, the game had amazing set pieces. It was really cool too how they kind of they, they made sure it connected with the old art with the old God of War games where, you know, spoilers, but he he gets his old weapons back too, you know, and yeah, yeah. I, I think that element like getting the switch between the two was was fun as well. It's funny when we got the Blades of Chaos. I actually disliked fight with them more because I never really, I was never really into the smash, like mash button type of combat in the early God of War games, uh, which is which is a big part of God of War and kind of a big part of the single player RPG like world. A lot of games were just kind of like button masher games, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't you either love it or hate it, I guess. Uh, so I've never been a huge fan of it. So whenever I, we got this basic chaos, it was like, if I don't have to use them, I don't use them. I just, <laughs> I kept using the axe. I was like, this axe is too amazing. I'm going back to it. But yeah. Uh, we got any honorable mentions? Oh man. Um, do you have any honorable mentions first? I, I didn't write any down. I need to think of them real quick. I mean, maybe not honorable mentions for me, but uh, we have to mention games like Dark Souls uh the witcher those are just like amazing single player rpgs even though we don't get we haven't gotten into them too much like i i i refuse to play dark souls i i watch so much of that game i'm just like this looks this looks so boring i just (laughs) i get so bored just like yeah everyone's like oh it's 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 the difficulty of it and all that like okay that's fine but i'm just boring you're looking at a gray dark brown screen the movement is clunky and slow it's just like this really weird ultra realism no one mm-hmm. knows what the story is it's like what do we what do we play it's like freaking die and walk 20 miles to go back to where you died simulator i was just like it's never, it's not my favorite but i'm not gonna discount its validity in terms of like how good of a like you know yeah 
there's a reason why people play it. It's because it's, it's like a good game. It's just not for me, you know? Yeah. It's like for me, Dragon Age is another one of those games where it's like Dragon Age is awesome. I, I, I enjoy playing it. I just can never stick around long enough to beat to beat it because it's so long. Yeah. But those are super good single player RPGs as well. Uh, that people should check Trolls. out. I know you're like Scrolls, yeah. You're a big uh Skyrim fan. That's another good one. And uh I think Fall the Fallout game, the Fallout series. Mm-hmm. Another big, uh, very famous RPG genre that people like, but yeah, I I I tend to stay away from our single player RPGs unless they're pretty heavy on the action slash narrative side, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of the single player RPGs they they kind of the narrative is there, but it's only about ten percent of the game, right? <laughs> it's yeah. like how much of The Witcher can you really play? without even touching the main storyline is actually insane. <laughs> it's like so many little side quests and killing monsters and doing side things that you can do. Uh, that freaking YouTube channel that you recommended me, Virgo freaking girlfriend reviews. Oh, girlfriend reviews. <laughs> they call it the hold up of minutes. It's like, so you go yeah. on your way to a new mission. You just see a little thing on your mouth. like, hold on a minute. And you just go over there and just do that. And then you keep doing that like 20 times over. And then you look over, it's like, oh, five hours have passed, and I've yet to go main mission. Cool. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I definitely lean a little bit more towards the God of Wars and the Gels of Tsushima. It's just like, yeah, this side stuff, but this, you, do the story, you know, get, get back mm-hmm. to the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Cool. And so, so yeah, so even with that, uh, we'll move on to the last uh, section of our podcast, the weekly feed. This is where we go through quickly uh, anything that big, anything big that happened in uh, in gaming news this week. Okay, so first on the list, Ghost of Tsushima shatters PS4 new IP sales record with 2.4 million units in three days. So that's pretty crazy. The fact that new IP um, has you know sold this many copies. Granted, at this point, you know the 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 PS4 base is like pretty big. So yeah, I guess it makes sense for it to sell a ton of copies when a lot of people have PlayStation fours now, but that's, that's good to hear. Yeah. It's uh, I'm happy for them. It's, it's like you and I have been playing it. We've been having good, good times. Lots of fun. So I'm not surprised, but yeah, people, mm-hmm. are, people love it. And second thing on the list, which this is really big for me personally, um, G4 TV is coming back. So G4 posted a little teaser video on their Twitter on their Twitter uh, page, as well as on the X play and attack of the show Twitter pages, which those two are really big uh, G4 TV shows. Um, basically just being like, <laughs> we've never stopped playing and show the G4 logo. And then the number 2021 and then okay. variety actually. Yeah. And then variety actually put out another article confirming that they are coming back in 2021. The channel is owned by Comcast and they're looking to, uh, start up the start up the G4 TV channel again uh, in 2021. Another news about it. There's no other big news that's known about it besides the fact that this is being led by a group within Comcast that is in charge of like esports. So this could be maybe like an esports focused G4 TV, or maybe maybe just more. Maybe maybe that's the reason why they're trying to re, re- to uh, bring it back is with this whole you know, uprising of esports, there's more uh variety, like what kind of shows they could put out. This won't just be gaming news, but like, you know, gaming sports as well. So I don't know. Who knows? But the fact that G4 is coming back is super exciting. 
So it was just like a channel where they would host like gaming news, and you you think like now it's gonna be like a little bit of news, some esports stuff, some whatever, some fun stuff. Is yeah, that what was that what you're thinking is gonna be? Mm-hmm. Honestly, like towards the end, like G four was like twenty ten percent games and like ninety percent cops. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was like the dumbest thing ever. They just like put those random shows. Everyone's like, the show I always want to watch was X Play, and it never, it like would really even show up on the on the channels. Really annoying, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping they they focus it on games content. So like, yeah, gaming news, gaming culture, kind of related shows, and yeah. then on top of that, I'm assuming live esport events. That's so funny. Uh, I got, I'm seeing something cool here. Uh, the Last of Us Part Two already in top five best selling PS4 exclusives. So, I guess uh, y'all hate it. I don't know. <laughs> People just you know hate buying the game. And hate it, buying so. the game. It must yeah. be a terrible game. Okay, I yeah. just don't understand why people are buying it. <laughs> uh, what else is there here? I'm seeing Ubisoft confirms Far Cry Six will offer 4K on PS4 and PS5. After all, I saw the same thing for the Spider-Man Miles Morales edition, a game coming out, a Miles Morales story game coming out. So very cool. Yeah, man. Freaking these games are going to look so crazy. Our eyes won't even know what we're looking at. I don't have to buy a new TV. <laughs> Dude, I was, actually, 1080p. I was actually thinking about that. It's like, man, I actually kind of really want to buy a 4K TV, like a 4K OLED kind of thing. And now it's like, I don't want to just buy a 4K TV. I want to buy a 4K TV that can also do 120 frames per second because some <laughs> of these games are going to be rocking over 60 frames per second. Yeah, I mean, the last time a console. What am I saying? This is the first time a console is going to be over sixty frames. This is revolutionary, man. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. Just the fact that it can it can play at locked sixty frames per second too is going to be huge for multiplayer games on console. Very excited. Yeah, poor is just <laughs> freaking our family members just listening to just. Oh my goodness, they're about to spend like two thousand dollars on the TV, aren't they? <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> And yeah, I think that's all I had for the quick news this time. The weekly feed. Mm-hmm, same here. Nothing else. Yeah, I think that is it, everyone. So uh, thanks again for listening. Remember, if you want to keep up with us, you can on Twitter at BasementGaming9. You can also send us your questions, comments, topic ideas over at Gmail, uh, at our email address, basementgamingpod at gmail.com. And I think that's it. For, I think that's it. Yes, sir. We'll see y'all next week. Yep, see ya.